This is the Influencers Network Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Craig. I'm the Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries here in Bentonville, Arkansas. And uh, believe it or not, I'm in the same room with our founder, Rocky Fleming. Hey, Rocky. Hey, Brian, and you better keep your six feet. <laughs> yeah. Rocky's a little leery right now. And, uh... Well, you've been around other people I haven't been, especially daughters. Uh, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I hope the sound is okay here because we are... We are operating a little distance here. Yeah, yeah, we are trying to sit six feet apart, but use our microphone device. So. Well, we were so hungry for for face to face fellowship. I told uh, the guys when I walked in, you know, this virtual thing is like a cyclamate; <laughs> it's a sugar substitute. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I, I wanted some real sugar. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we didn't think the podcast would come off too good if you had a mask on. <laughs> You'd be a little bit muffled, you yeah, know. Yeah. So anyway, well, uh, we. Uh, Something that's on our heart today we want to talk to you guys about. We know a lot of you all are are leading journey groups, and we're so, again, thank you so much for pressing on through this pandemic and figuring out creative ways to be leaders and meet with your groups via Zoom and and whatever you got to do. And we're just so proud of all you who uh, the ministry has not stopped. Uh, the ministry is going forward. As a matter of, we think, yeah, we think it's deepening and growing mm-hmm. broader because yeah. people are looking for answers right now. So, but we, we're, this message today is really for all you guides out there. This is really for anyone who has, I, I'd say it's a two part thing, but I'd mainly say guides who are guiding right now, maybe guides who guided in the past, but you're you, for whatever reason, you're not guiding a group right now. You're on the sidelines as far as influencers goes right now. Um, or maybe those of you who are have gone through the journey, but you've never guided and you just have never, you haven't really, you're not sure you've thought about that or you something deterred you from going forward with that. So really, we just want to talk about a need that we see for guides to, uh, that really, I guess that if I had to say that, I'd say that your job as a guide doesn't end at commencement. A lot of times it's kind of been like the journey's over, it commences, it ends, and then it's over. Um, and then we just say, we pray that you will take the charge and go take the torch and go carry it forward. And some guys have, and girls have, and it's been great. It's been very organic, which has been beautiful. Um, but I think what we're seeing a need for is is for us guides to not just be facilitators, not just to be organizers, but to become mentors. And... Uh, and there's another verse, Rocky, that, that we've been talking about that says maybe not even mentors, but there's a need for more than mentors to become spiritual fathers. And what is that, Rocky? Well, I'm going to read it from the English Standard Version, which I like. Uh, for though you, and it comes from 1 Corinthians 4.15. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ through the gospel. Mm. So, so. That really resonates um, with me because I, God was putting this idea, and I know I've talked about this many times, but um, you had the 12 disciples, but then it's to be noted that Jesus was always grabbing Peter, James, and John aside separately mm-hmm. and doing some, doing some, taking them on some different adventures than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Took them to the mountaintop or the Mount of Transfiguration. He, there's, some heal, there's a few healing moments where he only took Peter, James, and John. Um, and he was really fathering them in a different way a little bit. And I don't know if they were his favorites or whatever, but he he definitely uh, was preparing them for the ministry because they ended up becoming 
key leaders in the ministry after he left. So, so Rocky, I just want to set all that up um, and get your input on it as well on on this idea of guides um, becoming fathers or being mentors throughout a journey group, but then even after the. So just conceptually, what do you think about that? Well, I, I think that any time that we're uh, overseers, I guess you'd say, or inspires or undergirders or servants in helping somebody to come to know Christ either for the first time or get to know him better in our deepening walk with him. We become uh, spiritual guides, uh, but when we enter into a, a relationship a trust relationship is very close, deep in friendship. Uh, even uh, a respected figure, as far as authority is concerned, then we then we become spiritual fathers. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are not a lot of fathers out there. And that's what Paul was saying. And he became a spiritual father to a lot of people. And I've I've thought that thing through. And you know, there. Um, even in a physical sense, we have people that can impregnate their, uh, you know, the woman and have a child and father a child, but not be a father. Mm. In fact, they might not even be in the child's life. They show no father attention. They don't even see themselves as a father. They just birth that child. And then there are fathers who adopt. And then they take on the responsibility to love and care and nurture the responsibilities to father a child, even though that child was not their own. So I look at it that being a father is not just being there at inception, but I think father is embracing an identity. Mm-hmm. I think it's embracing a responsibility. We would call that a sacred responsibility. I think it uh, being a, f- a father is about maturity. Uh, you can be a semi-child when a child becomes old enough to impregnate a woman and still not, you can father a child, but not be a father. You don't have enough maturity to know how to do it and et cetera, et cetera. See that all the time. So maturity in being a a mature father spiritually has a lot to do with one's own walk. They have to process through life and, and have a lot of experiences that will tell them that their relationship with Jesus has carried them through many storms uh, and it's rocked their boat, but they've known he's in there with them. And that's the person that God is calling out to now look back, reach back and help other people mm-hmm. as they weather their storms. And I see that as a stewardship responsibility. We have a stewardship of that which what God is, has entrusted to us. If he's entrust, entrusted to us experiences with him, then we have a stewardship responsibility to help others with what we've discovered. Mm-hmm. You know, Brian, uh, as you know, you were the one that wanted me to write Forge for a Vision, mm-hmm. and which is is my life story, and I didn't want to do it. And you asked me why, and I said, I don't like the subject, <laughs> <laughs> which is me. <laughs> and, uh, and I know my history, and I know where I come from. And, and there's a lot of stuff there that I don't, I don't want to revisit. Uh, you know, the Scripture says that when a man's in Christ, he, the, the, the old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. And I don't want to look back a lot at the old man. But uh, 
And I wasn't going to do it. I, I just said, no, I'm not going to do that. Nobody wants to read anyway. I don't want to do it. And and then I had a, a talk time with the Lord. And, and let me tell you what he said to me. He spoke to my heart. He says, you're going about this all wrong. This is not about you. This is about me. I've given you a lot of experiences with me over these 70 plus years that show you how faithful I have been to you. And I've taken you through crossroads that have redirected your life path and even through disappointment and trial and your perceived hurt. You were redirected, but you were never harmed. And you're always shaped to a course has led to your desires, your heart, hasn't it? I said, yes, Lord, it has. He said, the story's not about you. The story's about me mm. to you. And you have a stewardship responsibility to share this. So that's how I embraced that writing that book. Not about me, about him. And it's the same way with being a, a spiritual father. It's not about me. It's about what God has been to me. Mm -hmm. And how I want to help you embrace your papa, not me, but him, and show you what he has meant to me so that he, he can be that to you, and then you can help somebody else by being a spiritual father to them. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, and, and you know, and, and you've actually been a spiritual father to me, so I understand this with you in particular, because no one... No one else had really um, invested in me, you know, and it meant a lot to me that you would take the time, someone who's not your blood son, that you would, you saw enough in me to invest your time in me. Mm -hmm. And I'm forever grateful for that. And, and it's paid off and, and it's, a, it's helped me grow up now where I, God's telling me to you, Brian, yeah. you're not a kid anymore. Now you need to go yeah. be a spiritual father. And at first I'm like, oh, I'm not worthy of that, you know. But he's he's challenged me and raising me up to go give away what's been given to me, you know. This well, way it's supposed to work. It is. That's <laughs> the life cycle, spiritual life cycle of a Christian. Mm -hmm. I mean, we are raised up to reproduce. We're born to reproduce, Brian. Mm -hmm. We're not just born to receive this and then park ourselves off in the corner and wait for heaven. Right. And try to arrive as comfortably and safely as possible. We're not that. Mm -hmm. We're raised up to reproduce. And we reproduce that which is uh, the real thing, not artificial, not form, but heart and DNA, the relationship with Christ, Him, Him in us. Mm. And when we when we nail that down, uh, what happens is, uh, and with you and me as a as a case sample, I was less about going after you as much as I was about letting God take me to you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I feel like that this is, it, there's, a, there's a marriage uh, with the thought that when we abide in Christ, He will direct our paths to those places that He wants us to go and serve. Mm -hmm. And in this particular case, it was through that relationship that our paths cross and that He invited me to come into your life to nurture your development. It's just part of the abiding in Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't try to, and, and I think that's the, the joy of this thing is that when we, when we share this about being spiritual fathers, I think a lot of men and women, and we need to say spiritual mothers too. Right, right? absolutely. Uh, 
I think a lot of them could be intimidated and they could get that old corporate thinking that I, okay, I got to get out there and do it. You know, I got to make it happen. And, you know, I got to look for somebody this, that, and the other. Uh, Maybe to a degree, but I think there's a process. And one is you start with prayer, open my eyes, Lord. Uh, But before you do that, let's make sure everything is right within me. But then open my eyes. Is there someone that you're pointing me to? Would you move in their hearts to make them receptive? Uh, Would you give me the wisdom to know how to enter into this relationship? Let me not have a hidden agenda. Would it be about me? But let it be about your agenda to help them get to know you better. Mm -hmm. This is where we are purified in our motives and our agenda. And I really do truly believe if, if we're operating, co-laboring with, with the Holy Spirit in this, there's so many things that are opened up for us. We don't have to go knocking it. A lot of it just knocks on our door. Well, yeah, we were we were even ta- having a conversation about our, our leadership within influencers, and you were talking about how we don't go recruit people. We don't go after people. God raises them up. Mm-hmm. And if we feel like we're having to go make it all happen, then then that's that's not the right approach. We got we got to back off and let the Lord raise them up. Yeah. So we're joining Him in what He's already doing. Yeah, you know, and and you know another thing is I think people are going well. What? How would you do that? What would you do with them? Well, that's where the journey helps because you got a nine month. You know, you're already praying about people to invite on the journey, mm-hmm. and the journey gives you a, a platform where where you can hang out with them over nine months. But then what I think what we're suggesting is that. Out of your journey groups, he's going to be raising up some people that you you want to go invest in. Mm-hmm. The ones who really are grabbing hold of it, the ones who are really hungry, the ones, you know, if you go spend all your time with the one who's not interested, it, that doesn't get you anywhere. But in every journey group, there's a few that are really eating it up yeah. and they're excited and God's raising them up. You need to invest in those people and then help them get to the next level after that, don't you think? Oh, yeah. You know, Brian, there uh, is a truth that we have enough time in this Um, and everything we do is is centered on first the abiding relationship and everything grows out of that right and so a lot of our language now is you know it's it's a culture that's developed here with influencers and we have a a a language we have a we have understanding without having to say a lot you know Mm -hmm. just a couple of points and yeah You've got a whole year's worth of teaching that we've learned that we pick up in one minute because we, we know that. Mm-hmm. But you have an outsider that's not familiar with the beginning of everything, which is the journey, which is developing the intimacy with Christ, which is to become a disciple and then to become a type disciple, and you need to make disciples. That whole concept of reproducing is because of a sacred responsibility of stewardship. All of those things are not going to be understood by people that do not understand the whole process that we have been through. That's right. And so the best thing we can say for anybody that might be listening to this, uh, don't just pick out certain things about what to do. You've got to work more on to why we see it this way. We've got to go back to this whole process of the intimate relationship that individually we have with Christ before we ever begin looking outward how to become spiritual fathers. And, uh, but I will tell you this, that 
the whole process of maturity is not to remain in one infantile state. The maturity that God wants is for us to be matured in, in knowledge of Scripture, with experience with Him, not just theory, but experience with Him. And the maturity that comes with helping other people, because when we began to help other people go to that place that we are going or have gone, then we exponentially help our own walk. It speeds it up mm -hmm. into maturity far greater. And that's why we've been saying that, the, that we feel like it's a two-year process and with the journey. The first year is that we pour into you, but then the second year is where you take what's been poured into you and then you help pour into some other people mm -hmm. because that's where you're going to mature. You're going to mature exponentially on that second year. Yeah. Well, and we've and we've really been putting some thought together in, in what does this look like practically at the end of a journey group. And, and one model that I've seen over and over again over in Tulsa in particular, but here too, is when a guide uh, asks a couple people in his group who are participants who just have graduated, hey, why don't you got a group with me next year? Mm -hmm. You know, then that gives them confidence to come alongside you and they don't feel like they're just left out on their own trying to guide a group. You can model guiding for them the next year by taking them under your wing. And maybe your co-guide can do the same thing with two other or whatever. But that's not always going to be available or, or or the numbers won't work out or whatever. So we've uh, we have been praying and getting some good leaders together and talking about how would you raise up a guide. And instead of calling it guide training, we're calling it guide mentoring. Mm -hmm. And so now we have a six-week guide mentoring plan that will be available that people can take their participants through those who are interested in becoming guides to help get them equipped and ready to lead a group. And then, the, and then the guide will, will pledge to be with them for them, you know, one, not to go to their meetings, but maybe once a month, meet with them, whatever, and keep mentoring as guides. Yeah. And we think that'll be a healthier, you know, reproduction and all that. If, cause people need guidance, people need beyond the, commencement yeah. need some guidance and all that so these are just things we're working on that we're going to be putting out there to you all and mm -hmm. showing you all about this but uh but i think it all ties into also why you wrote beyond the inner chamber which you know this was the idea that you can't be a disciple if you're not making disciples mm -hmm. and and, and t talk about that for a second why you wrote that uh, we have thousands tens of thousands actually that have gone through the journey but we only have hundreds that are, are guides. Mm -hmm. And yet, uh, I think that as a disciple that we have a, a, a sacred responsibility to reach back and help other people find what's, what we're finding. And, you know, the whole concept that Jesus gave to his disciples was summarized in Matthew 28, Great Commission. Go make disciples. Teach them what I taught you. And the whole concept is you can't go back to fishing, Peter. You know, you can't go back to the nets. Uh, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Then feed my sheep three times. And it's always, I've invested in you, now I want you to reinvest into others. And when Christians start embracing their life as, as, an, as a steward of their life, then they begin to understand what they're made for. And they understand Jesus better. They understand their relationship better. And we're trying to, to message all the time that you just can't make it about you. It's about you and your part. And I wrote 
beyond the inner chamber because I wanted for it to coincide with the completion of the nine-month process where you were kind of pulling every, all the dots together. You're just pulling everything together. And that whole journey, and you're using the narrator in the books, it, you're following his life story and how he is being taken along, discovering things about the orphan spirit, about the foundation of Christ, which you find in an orphan no more, and a deeper intimacy in prayer with the prayer gods of the sacred garden. And then abide when they start te- learning about abiding, uh, as in John 15, and the core of that. And then moving on toward the end, I felt like there was something missing. And that is how to message a clear message that you just cannot stop now. You've got to look back. It's, it's imperative for your own walk, but it's also imperative for the advancement of God's kingdom. And so I wrote that book by his inspiration to be that message. And uh, a lot of our people hadn't read that book yet because it's at the tail end of the journey and the journey's going. Some of them read it, and I I wouldn't hesitate saying go ahead and read it. It's fine to mm-hmm. read it. But understand, it. the reason why it's called Beyond the Inner Chamber is because it's the bookend to journey to the inner chamber. Mm-hmm. And they'll have somewhat of the same flavor that they picked up in the first book. Well, and, and the the early reports are that it does a very good job of inspiring participants to say, "I think I, I do want to give this away. I want to help other people." Yeah. But I think they're still going to need some help. Oh yeah. Because they're they're going to be intimidated. They're 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 still immature in a lot of ways as leaders, whatever. And this is where the need for the spiritual fathers. This is where guides have got to step up and help them get there. Oh yeah. And then that's what we're doing. That's why we're trying to piece all this other stuff together. Well, my journey group right now is 10 guys. And I, I really expect us to have five journey groups come out of these. I think they will couple up. And, and I'm already, you know, before we ever get into the Expressing series, uh, I'm, I'm beginning to talk to them about their sacred responsibility because we're on the spiritual gifts. Mm. And I think that the spiritual gifts is... You know, it helps us begin to understand our equipping. And that's why it's in there. And uh, and so I want them to begin to think about how they are equipped to be part of building up the church. And you see, this is what the spiritual gifts are about. It's taught, it, it, you know, Paul talks about it well. It gives a great example when he says that we are all members, different members of one body though different functions under one head for one purpose. And that purpose is to build up the church. And so when we are discipling, whatever we are using in that spiritual gift, whether it's a gift of leadership, which is teaching and wisdom and knowledge, or if it's a gift of mercy or helps or hospitality, in some way, form, or fashion, all spiritual gifts can be part of making disciples. Mm And they got to work together. They're never designed to work apart. They're always designed to work together. And so uh, I feel like that it's important for us to discover our spiritual gifts and then use our spiritual gifts to build up the church. And when we have journey groups, we're building up the church. If we go back to our local church and we use those spiritual gifts there, that's fine. If they choose not to 
continue on with a journey group, that's okay as long as they're now taking what they've learned and going out and giving, making disciples and reaching back and helping draw people to that intimacy of Christ. Now, that's a difference, though. That's a different target because it's not just a matter of getting in and doing something. It's doing something strategically that's going to move people to the intimacy with Christ because therein is the only place that true transformation can occur. Mm -hmm. Now, can you wash dishes as Brother uh, Lawrence did mm -hmm. and and fulfill the, the, the gospel and make disciples? Yeah, he sure did. He figured that out. And that is practice in the presence of Almighty God. That was a book he wrote. Mm. And uh, I think that's the name of it. And, uh, yeah. And, but the whole concept is, is that he's with you. And whatever menial task you are, if you're abiding in him somehow, some way, somewhere, you're going to make disciples. And so that's what we've got to do. We've got to keep people abiding in him, discover their spiritual gifts, be a steward of those spiritual gifts, and be part somehow of making disciples. And make sure you understand that making a disciple is helping them discover intimacy with Christ to abide with him. Always comes back to that. Always. About abiding, because that's the secret. I mean, that's the, and Jesus said so. Mm -hmm. yeah, you can't bear fruit without that. Yeah. Well, that's why we want our guides to be fully equipped with understanding that. It's not just a matter of leading a group. It's a matter of understanding the heart. It's all about the why factor. It's not the what. It's the why. Why do we do this? It always tracks back to it's a love connection we have with Christ. And well, I love the way you use the Peter example because Peter had just denied him. Mm -hmm. said, I don't know who you're talking about. I don't know this guy. Just denied his Lord. three. And one, one gospel even says Jesus looked right at him mm -hmm. after he did it. You know, And I mean, it just crushed Peter. You know, He just, he just knew he had screwed up. And so here's a guy who just denied him three times, and yet he's and then he's restoring him. So I guess what that says to me is that you don't have to be perfect to be a guide. It's not like you have to have it all figured out to step up and lead a journey group. Because I think a lot of people discredit themselves. They say, "Oh no, I'm not holy enough," or whatever. I can't I can't lead other people till I get my act cleaned up. Well, Satan will keep you in that the rest of your life, so you'll never do anything. You know, yeah. if that's it. Because we're all broken. We're all a work in process. We're all. We're all growing in Christ, no matter how long you've been on this journey. Uh, I had a great misconception of that back when my performance Christianity days. Right. I think it was about 1980, something like that, 81. And I had a busy, busy lay ministry. You know, I was doing a form of discipleship with a lot of people up and down the Mississippi Gulf Coast, where I lived at the time. And uh, I, I was going through some real challenges uh, with some people that I work with. And um, and I had a group of guys that were around me, and I always kept myself pretty strong around them. I was all, the one that was always lifting them up and being the cheerleader and all that positive guy. But I let my guard down with them, and I just shared with them my struggle and what I was going through. And then uh, a man came up to me later, and he said, Rocky, you won't believe... Uh, how effective that was on me and all of us uh, because we saw you have a tire of strength, but we see you now even stronger now because you, you're weak. Mm -hmm. And you shared, you shared your weakness, and in doing that, you shared 
he became very credible. Right. Credible to us. And I came to understand that people don't need a strong Rocky. They need a strong Jesus. And the best way they can see a strong Jesus in my life is them to see the real guy. And the real guy is not strong without Jesus. Mm. That's right. There's a uh, vulnerability, you know, that, you know, and a humility, I guess, in that too. That people, yeah, and people reality. Can, <laughs> and they realize there's hope for me too, you know. Yeah. <laughs> if someone who they thought was so strong has has some struggles, then okay, well, you don't have to be perfect. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I, uh, I guess I just want all you out there who, again, who, if you're guiding groups, I want you just to be thinking beyond the commencement. Be thinking about these people that you've invested in for this whole year. You've really poured your heart into them. You've taken a lot of your personal time and energy to, to give your life away to these people. So don't leave them at the commencement. See how you might be able to help them into their next phase of ministry, whether that be leading a journey or or whatever else maybe God's putting on their heart. Maybe there's a, I mean, there's been other ministries birthed out of journey groups, you know, so who knows where God's going to take them. So just encourage you guys to think that direction and think about how you can become a spiritual father or if you're a woman being a spiritual mother to these people that God has put in your path. And, and uh, again, just like being a guide, you'll be blessed as you go invest in them and, and help them uh, move forward. Any final comments, Rocky, on this topic? Well, the topic is that uh, I guess everybody's dealing with what they would perceive as limitations right now. And I think we ought to have a discussion maybe the next time that has to do is abiding in Christ enough mm -hmm. during this isolation. Yeah. Because honestly, I believe it is. I believe that there's a supernatural effect that we can have on a world, although we feel that we are very limited, I think he's bigger than our limitations. Mm -hmm. And I think that if we will continue to make it about our intimate abiding relationship with him, even though we're not able to be around a lot of people right now where we can see what we think is active ministry, I believe that what's going on right now, if we do it right, if we work on our intimate relationship even more deeply because of the time we have, then when we come out of it, Brian, I think there's going to be a harvest and an awakening like the world has never seen. Mm -hmm. I think you're right. I pray, I pray it's so. I think there's a lot going on we don't understand right I now. I know. You're right. You're right. Well, thank you, Rocky. Um, and one last thing I want to say to you all out there is that we are currently praying about God to raise up at least 100 new guides who would be willing to guide virtual journey groups because we think there's going to be a need out there across the country for people who want to go through the journey that, that we where we don't have cities. And so um, be looking for some announcements about that. But if you feel God calling you that direction, please uh, contact us through the website because uh, we would love to talk to you about that. And we're going to have this new six-week mentoring plan to, to help you get ready for that endeavor as well. So anyway, our website is influencers.org if you didn't know that. And just send us a, send us a note on that. So. All right. Well, this has been uh, the Influencers Network podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Brian Craig, Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries. I'm going to keep encouraging you to abide in Christ and go make disciples. God bless you.